What people are missing is this other great asset classes like industrial and retail. And that's why we talk about this here is there's not as much competition in this space. So there are deals to be had without there being 20 bidders on them. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. This is your host, Dr. Michael McManus. And today we're going to be talking about office space. I actually started out my research for this show and I was just going to kind of go through some headlines in the news. So I was scanning commercial real estate news. And it seems like the big thing that everybody's talking about, again, is office. I realized recently I was discussing some possible investments with some doctors, and their questions were all about office space. And now I see why, being that in my world, I'm looking at individual deals. And when you're looking at an individual deal, you're basically looking at the price you're buying the property at, how much money that property makes in leases, what the financing rate is, and how much money you have to raise, and does all this work. And there are still plenty of deals out there that can bring very good returns, annualized returns above 15%. It can still be done. Nothing has changed there. And it's a lot of the reason I spend a lot of time talking about retail and industrial, because there's some Great deals to be had out there. But if we look at the news, what we see, so top headlines from CRENews.com, um, commercial mortgage back security delinquency volumes increased by 3.39% in January. Again, that office is driving this. We see continued weakness in, in San Francisco and New York and in these major markets. And so as you dig into the news here, if you, you don't have to look far in office, there's uh, TV specials where there's academics on and they're talking about, it's funny because all of the news anymore, in, in my opinion, most of it's drama. And so they wanted to get you emotionally involved. So as I'm listening to these stories and they're on some of these YouTube channels or online news networks. And these are all stories from the major news networks. And they got all these people on they're talking about this giant bomb that's going to take down mid-sized banks. It could take down the whole economy. And this is all possible. I don't know the future. And there's some people I'm talking about, well, banks are restructuring loans and they're kicking the can down the road, especially when it comes to office space. So some of the things they didn't talk about, and you can read other news reports, and then we'll talk about all the dry powder out there that needs to be deployed. There's a lot of cash being held by private equity. And it seems like everybody who wants to talk about that a market is going to rise talks about all this investment money on the sideline and when it's going to come into play. I've heard it talked about in, in the stock market, in the bond market, real estate, crypto, that this money is going to come in and it's going to, and you're going to see this great rise. And so far, we haven't seen this in different places. I think a lot of money has been deployed into tech stocks with excitement about AI. But one of the things that's happening in this office space is there are some big players who have been buying class A office buildings. These are downtown high-rise buildings because they're buying them from the bank that it's one of these distressed loans, or they're buying it from somebody who's decided they're not going to try and ride this out. 
So the market hasn't completely collapsed there. And at the same time, there are banks that are restructuring loans to keep people afloat rather than closing these out. And so in one of the stories I was reading when I was listening to, they talked about this. They kept using the analogy of kicking the can down the road and that this point of doom is going to come. And the big question mark comes because then you look and you don't have to look far to see where um, you can just Google search companies bringing people back to the office. And there's a pile of articles about companies wanting people to come back to work. And this is a hot topic because there's a lot of people out there who like working from home. They like not commuting. They like lots of different things. And there's a lot of employers who have said, we see some synergies from a hybrid work. We see some cost savings. There's a lot of other ones who are saying, we see loss of synergy. We see loss of productivity. We want people back collaborating together. I feel personally, I just doing the podcast, I do a lot of Zoom calls, but it's very different than sitting with somebody and talking face to face. And when you only talk to people in these confined settings, you don't have those aha moments around the water cooler. I say a lot of the things that have led me down my journey or projects that have come together have been at conferences or meetings where you're hanging out drinking a beer and we have an aha moment like, oh, that's how it works. These are the synergies that a lot of employers are talking about when they want people coming back to work at the office. So there's these different forces out there pushing and pulling when it comes to the office world that there are a lot of large employers who want people back in the office. I saw one article where they were saying that part of that is they want to force people back so people will quit and they don't have to lay them off. So there's a lot of theories out there. And if you're looking at the news, I always tell people, you know, realize the news, they want to get you sucked in so you listen. And there'll be a lot of added drama to it. So sorting out what's drama and what's real. This is a big dynamic here, and we don't know how it's going to play out in office. There is a lot of office space out there that's empty. There are leases that are coming up for renewal. So some of these companies are still paying the lease, even though they don't have people in the office. So what happens when these leases come to? Will uh, the building owners be able to release it? Do they have a mortgage on it they won't be able to pay? Will there be a collapse in commercial real estate that can bring down some of the mid-sized banks? These things are all possible. But at the same time, there are people, I know people who are investing in office. Why? Because sometimes they can find some great deals. And this is heading into what could be one of the greatest buyers market. And if you can buy an office building at a price that your break-even rental rates maybe are $4 per square foot, and the market is at 10 it leaves a lot of room there to cover a mortgage and actually make money now with the possibility of that building being worth multiples more down the road if people come back to work. And if the office demand goes back up, you could see this being a 5x, a 10x gain five or 10 years down the road on this type of building. At the same time, if that doesn't happen, but you buy it at a price that you can lease it easily well below market, it can still be a very good deal. So there are opportunities in the office space, and especially for smaller, more agile operators, 
that aren't buying $100 million downtown skyscrapers. At the same time, we've talked about this in office with people working hybrid. A lot of people don't work well from home. So small suburban offices actually been doing really well in suburban downtowns. And so the whole office scenario has a lot of ifs left out there, but it doesn't mean that there aren't individual office deals that are a good deal. I'm still looking at an office deal and not so sure we're going to go through with it, but it's intriguing in this space. So individual deals can still work. Now, at the same time, if somebody's new to all this, and I think a lot of our listeners and people I talk to, even if they've started investing in commercial real estate, typically what they're looking at, what most people see the most of is multifamily. So it's apartment buildings. And then the things that come off of there are things that people are more used to hearing about and that they use every day. So we get into self-storage and car washes, some of the more common other asset classes. And there's nothing wrong with these asset classes. Right now, there's a big rush into self-storage and car washes and trailer parks as the rush has kind of gone away from apartment buildings. But at the same time, what people are missing is these other great asset classes like industrial and retail. And that's why we talk about this here is there's not as much competition in this space. So there are deals to be had without there being 20 bidders on them. And one of the other things that's starting to happen right now is there are baby boomers who are retiring and retiring property owners. I've talked to somebody every week who either has or is in contact with a property owner who owns multiple retail strip centers or strip malls, often across a very large geographic area. And they're now in their 70s. They're tired of running them. And they're ready to step away. And some of these, they've been done running them for 10 years. And so a lot of them haven't been kept up. And this is your classic value-add play where you find it, it's in a great location, it's got great demand, but it needs some maintenance. And so rents are low because the building hasn't been maintained or rents are low because they just haven't kept rents up to pace because it was making enough money. So a lot of these are coming to market right now and are available and their price is being held down or even driven down because there are people who are averse to risk and they're hearing these stories about this collapse of commercial real estate because of office and the thing about it is they don't all cycle together that there is contagion the risk of loans affecting banks and things like that but for the most part it's not like where you see people start selling in the stock market and that all these stocks come down as people rush to liquidity because real estate doesn't work that way you don't if you're buying a real estate product with a, expecting a quick exit that's going to be a minority and there are places to do that but usually you're looking at a multi-year hold so if you buy it again with a good price where you're in a, in a conservatively underwritten, where you can get good rents and you've got an interest rate or a loan that's a 10-year or seven-year or where you can bridge, not a bridge loan, but where you can get across these ups and downs, then these gyrations in the market don't affect you as much. And so you got a strip center that's got a nail salon and the hairdresser and all those things that people are still 
coming and buying those services, they keep producing money. And just because there are New York City and San Francisco high-rise office buildings that are distressed properties, doesn't mean that buying a flex space that you rent to a plumber is a bad office, is a bad investment, but these all come under commercial real estate. And so really the point of this show is to say all the reasons for investing in commercial real estate are still there. There are some different asset classes that are experiencing very different things right now. And so if you're looking to broaden your investing horizon, if you're looking to not have all your money in the stock market, if you're looking for some tax advantages, but you haven't done it yet, just because when you turn on the TV, you see a very dramatic story about commercial real estate, either listen more what they're talking about. And what you're going to find is probably not talking about flex space. They're probably not talking about last mile warehouse space. They're probably not talking about neighborhood retail centers. And these are very different investments. And individually, they're very different investments than a New York City office building. I'd love to hear your comments on this. Reach out. Uh, if you have questions, let's talk, make an appointment. These are great topics and they're things that I have a lot of fun talking about. So wishing you the best in your investment endeavors. And thank you for listening. Thank you for being here today for Surgeon Syndicate. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you found value in this episode, no other surgeons are hungry to become job optional. You can help them by sharing this content today. I also want to serve you better, so I want to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you can take a moment and leave an honest review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. And number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help. Schedule a call. We can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.